Today in the Marshall Pro Podcast, we have your guest episode of the Week in IndyCar. Now, we did book Connor Daly, pole sitter for round one at Iowa in the mighty number 59 Carlin Racing Chevy. Also, a man who was on pace for a high-quality finish in round two. But I should admit up front, I'm not totally sure which Connor Daly I have on the phone because among the Daly triplets... That's Connor, C-O-N-O-R, C-O-N-N-O-R, and C-O-N-N-E-R. I'm not sure which one of the three we actually have on the line. <laughs> uh, I'll go with the C-O-N-O-R one. That sounds about right. Okay. Well, we'll we'll just step out on faith. Uh, I'm quite surprised there aren't four or five of the Daily Twins, based on the variety of ways the front name gets spelled. Uh, say thank you, as always, to Cooper Tires, Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Before we get rolling with the awesome variety of questions that come in for you, whenever you visit, I refer to you as the people's champ and IndyCar brother, because that's who you are. How you doing? Recovering after... What a crazy five races and fifteen day stretch. Yeah, it was tough, man. And and real quick to go back to the name spelling, I did get a new one myself the other day. I think on Twitter it was Condor, ah! like bird, uh, and they, they added a D in the middle of Connor somehow. So uh, so now I am also a uh, an exotic bird as well, which is very interesting. Well, you've always been a show the pony. Hilarious place. The yeah. I, I like that we've added a bird to it as well. That's pretty darn yep. awesome. Well, what? Yeah, man. Um, you know, life. Uh, it, it was a it was a wild stretch. Um, you know, Indy GP was uh, you know a great start with Carlin Racing or not Carlin ACR. Goodness gracious, I already forgot it. Uh, but it, that was a hot one. That was tough. Um, you know, after that race, I I had to really sit down uh, in the trailer for like. 30, 40 minutes before my heart rate got below like 145. Uh, so that was a real tough one. Um, you know, the heat in these cars is really, really tough now. Uh, really, really bad. And Road America was better because of the temperature. Uh, so that felt all right. Um, but, you know, I had I had a bit of a shoulder injury there after the race one, um, you know, fiasco. So there's been a lot that's really happened over the over the five race, um, you know, span. And, and Iowa was definitely... As as I think most of us predicted, it was without a doubt physically uh, the toughest weekend of the year, and so far, it was brutal. Uh, you know, I, I went down after the second race. Um, you know, I've had a bit of a bit of a blackout moment because of dehydration, um, and had to go to the med center for a little bit uh, after the race. It was just, you know, I had also we had also made a strategy call that made me try and do forty qualifying laps to finish the race, which did, didn't work out at all. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was tough, man. Tough five races. Nice to, nice to have a couple days off now. Well, let's get into our Q and a here, all driven by fans who love them. Some NTT IndyCar series. Our questions come in every week by Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. So let's go with Paul Trahan to kick things off. And he asks, Connor, could you tell from the cockpit that lap one during qualifying, on Friday was going to have the potential for P1 or were you surprised when you found out the actual speed that you set? 
Uh, I was a little surprised because I, I knew our car was fast and I felt really confident in it. Um, but I, but we actually were going so fast that the ride heights were actually quite low. So I was hammering the ground and it didn't feel like it was going to be good. So I, you know, we were going fast enough to where we just, we over anticipated the speed and then the ride heights were a little low and, and just hammered the ground, which actually kind of slowed us down a little bit. So, um, I, I felt good about it coming in the pits. I was like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll take that. I didn't actually know the gap between what I had done, um, compared to what Rossi had done so far. Um, but sometimes, yeah, you do feel like, you know, that was, uh, that was an elite lap, uh, or two laps really. And, uh, thankfully, you know, it stood up. It's, it's the worst waiting, uh, the, <laughs> it's the worst wait ever, um, sitting there and not really knowing what the heck's going to go on. And you, you see all these, you know, the dark army and Penske coming up and you're like, well, I'm sure they'll go half a second quicker for some reason. And then Mike, Mike Cannon had texted me as soon as I got out of the car with a, with a very surprised emoji. And, and I was like, Oh, come on, Mike, you guys will probably do like an 18, two or a one or something. And, and sure enough, it held up. So it was kind of funny. So as a kid who's grown up in IndyCar dad, obviously IndyCar driver for a long time, as someone who's just also grown up watching the broadcast forever, you know what it's like Indy 500, maybe in particular where drivers doing very well getting towards the end of the race and they cut to the wife or girlfriend cam and it's her just racked with nerves and so they're trying to add the drama from pit lane to see how she's reacting knowing that her spouse or boyfriend or whatever could win something big i don't know if you got a chance to watch the qualifying back or the race but were you aware that they did the full wife girlfriend cam treatment on you during qualifying as you were having to deal with that pressure? I thought it was hilarious and cute at the same time. Oh yeah, old buddy was right there with us the whole time with the camera. So I figured something was going on. Um but yeah, I mean that's all just genuine reaction. Like you're just sitting there and all of us just want to get the pole. So, you know, we're we're, we're happy when, you know, each car, you know, just kind of another one went down, another one went down, and we're like, all right, well, it's not like anyone, it's not like it's getting any easier. It's only getting harder as we go. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty hilarious. Tell me, Connor, about the team reaction. And I know we're talking about a pole position, right? We're not talking about a race win, but mm-hmm. for most teams, young teams like Carlin right now in what their third year, I believe, uh, there's a progression. Usually you don't just start winning and dominating out of nowhere. There's usually steps that get taken. First pole position, it does have meaning for a small team building its way into the series. Tell me about how it registered when you had a private moment with everybody. I truly just don't think people really do understand how great of an accomplishment it is for that team. I mean, pole positions in the IndyCar series are very hard to get. Like you, you're because you're fighting against willpower all the time. Willpower has a million of them, and and he is so good at getting a pole. He's so good. A- a- everyone at Penske is so good when it comes down to qualifying. I mean, when you look at the stats at the end of the year uh, and you see the wins in the poles category, it's usually like two or three guys have the polls, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, to get one of those in a situation where 
you know, half the field didn't catch on fire or it rained or something, you know what I mean? Like that it's, it was a legitimate, um, you know, effort and, and, and true speed that, that, you know, I, I obviously was able to do the job because of what the team had given me in the car. You know what I mean? This is a team effort. You know, we had, uh, you know, worked on this car, uh, all through last year. Uh, we had, you know, continued that development at Texas and it was such a strong car there. Um, and Texas and Iowa, you know, very different ovals. Um, but you know, to be able to reproduce that type of speed, uh, is, is really, really cool. And, and, and I think Trevor was just so proud because, you know, the, the British are a pride people or a pride, they're a proud group of people. And, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they are, you know, they deserve to be proud of this moment because it's, it's beating Penske, beating Ganassi, beating Andretti. Um, you know, the, the, the real big high op, high dollar operations. Um, and we are a one car team, uh, and, and, and that's it. So it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, the team was so happy. I mean, the guys were just so pumped and I mean, both races, I mean, we started third for race two as well. I mean, we, we had a long walk to the front of the grid. It was kind of nice. Um, and, and it was just, just cool to see the happiness in the face. I mean, hugging everyone. It was, it was like a, it was a small victory. You know what I mean? And, and that was, that was really cool to be a part of. Let's go to Emerson Lehman. And you spoke on this a little bit about the physical and mental toll, but that's what he wants to dive into a little bit more. First of all, going from that big crash in round one, at road America with your shoulder injury, maybe you could expand on that a little bit. And then also the mental aspect of dealing with the heat and the physical rigors just again, four or five days later at Iowa. I don't know how you deal with such things. Connor, is this a quiet your mind, prep your mind before going into the car each time, or do you just try and let it breeze by you? How do you deal with that? Cause this couldn't just be a normal couple of uh, days, couple of weeks for you for sure. Yeah, I mean it's challenging, and 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 the fact that you know you have so little practice as well, uh, you're just thrust into the race environment very very early and very quickly. And you know I'm I'm a type of guy you know technically who who needs that practice one, practice two, practice three, and usually that's um, you know we just build build towards a, a better car each each run. And you know we struggled with that at ECR at Road America. You know both cars we just didn't have the pace, and and so it was you know it was a tough tough deal. But you know race one at Road America we were you know, we were trying to get into the top 10. We were almost there for a nice little top 10, bit of a, bit of a save of the day. Um, you know, when we came together with Pato, which is, uh, which was a real shame and, and that hurt a lot. I mean, the, my, my shoulder, um, it, it was, it was not awesome. Bit of a slap tear of, of my labrum, uh, in the shoulder, which is not fun at all. Uh, uh, and, and it was just really painful, uh, just, just in general. So that's annoying. Uh, but the IndyCar medical team, you know, they're really cool. They're, they're, they're great people. Um, and, you know, I told them, look, you'd have to remove both of my arms for me to not be able to race the next day. Um, so I was, you know, I was always ready to suit up, you know, after some, after a bit of ice and, um, you know, and some ibuprofen or whatever the heck they gave me, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was all right. But, but yeah, the Iowa thing, I mean, these cars right now are, are, are so hot. Uh, and, and I sweat a lot. Like that's just always been my, my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a very sweaty human being. I sweat standing up. Hashtag uh, very sweaty human being. Yes. Very sweaty man. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know if it's the Irishness in me. I don't know if it's the gingery skin or whatever it is, but, um, but I, I sweat like crazy. So, you know, I, I had a full hydration plan from St. Vincent sports performance, you know, that they, that they gave me and, you know, followed it to a T. Uh, but still Iowa, you know, I, I'd lost around, I think 10 pounds, the first race we, we measured. Um, so, you know, not as much as what we, what I lost the Indy GP, but, you know, coming back and doing that a second time uh, after a, a, an hour practice session in really what was the hottest condition of the day, uh, you know, it, it's tough to already start uh, losing, you know, losing that water weight early on. But it was, it was just, yeah, I, I think no matter what right now, we, we got to really figure something out for these cars because I think there are a lot of other drivers who might not look at at the end, but we're, we're close to being, you know, if these races are a little bit longer, um, like a 500 mile race potentially in the summer of, of Indiana, August, you know, we got, we got to really figure something out. The stuff that we're doing has not worked yet. The little roof vents that they're putting on, uh, the helmet, the helmet hoses do nothing. Um, you know, it's just, it's all very, very small. So, uh, it's been tough for sure, but, but that's, that's part of being an athlete. You want to be fighting, uh, at all times and giving it your absolute everything. That's why, you know, I, I gave it everything I had at the end of Iowa because we had pitted from third and I was like, the only way this works is if we try and take advantage of this. So I was driving absolutely with my heart on the front wing. Um, and it didn't work out. It, 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 sometimes those things don't work out, but, um, you know, I, I had nothing left at the end of that. So, you know, you feel good about trying to put your all into a race, but it's definitely a, a challenging era for sure in IndyCar right now. I'm going to go to a question here that stays on the topic of that late race to Iowa strategy from Jack at Jack's one on the tweeters. It says, obviously, great job at Iowa. Rooting for you both nights. You let us know the thinking behind the late tire stop. Jack says, we watched in disbelief as we saw your shot at the podium disappear. What was the thinking behind that one? Was it the couple years back routine of late yellow, everybody, or some folks pitted, some didn't, and the ones who got fresh tires leapfrogged and won? Or what What was the, the thought process there? Well, I, I think... I, I think either the TV broadcast or uh, or if people just follow just a hair closer, uh, it happened the exact same way the night before. You had two McLarens who pit for tires with 60 to go, um, and they went two laps down and completely unlapped themselves both and finished third and fourth. Um, so, you know, we had just seen a strategy where we had, you know, we had made the last the set of tires at the end of the race on race one last 82 laps or something, which is which is insane. Uh, and were we going slower? Yes. Um, but three or four cars made that strategy work uh, the night before. Uh, and I had watched them driven around, drove around me and drove straight to a podium um, at like it was easy. So, you know, it was it was very close numbers wise on being able to do that again uh, on the on the second race. Um, and, and honestly, if the, the, the situation that we were into, we missed that yellow by one lap. Like if, if, if I would have just stayed out one more lap and caught that yellow, we had lapped the whole field, uh, because we hadn't pit yet. 
so that that was again something where it was like, oh man, like we the yellow came out as I was wheeling out of the warm up lane, um, and and we just missed it. So there was multiple situations. You know, we could have made it on fuel. Yes, we could have made it on tires, but we had a little bit not quite as good of tires as some of the guys behind us, uh, Graham and and Simon and and, and those guys. But uh, but we just didn't think that they would last as as well as they did, and and that you know that could have been the track gripping up. Uh, I, I didn't really know what to do myself. I kind of you know I agreed with the team on on hey tires are tires are great, tires are powerful. We need those. But uh, clearly night two, you know whether it cooled down, whether the track gripped up more, um, the tires lasted longer, and and we you know we 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 you don't really see that until it happens right like the night before it didn't go as well but no one had done an 85 lap stint yet on uh, on tires to, to finish the race so it realistically it was a gamble for everyone but um but yeah I mean, we we had only the information to go with and was it a bad decision yeah absolutely but you know sometimes we got to make those I'm, I'm really disappointed that you know it ended the way it did uh but there was there was plenty of you know, plenty of information that we had that the team had, um, you know, to make that call. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, just not enough. Yeah. It looked like the only thing that would have given you a little bit of an extra boost was just more time on those fresh tires, the 34 ish, 35 ish laps, uh, you had left after pitting, uh, obviously, uh, if you had a little bit more time to uh, put those tires to use, that could have, uh, I don't know if it would have gotten you back on the podium, but it yeah. certainly might have given you more time to uh, pick off more people. So I got a couple exactly. of... Or a yellow. You know, and you never yeah. know. I mean, people were fading, and, and a yellow brings us right back into it as well. So there's there's multiple situations that could work out. And obviously, with the luck I've had in my life, usually that stuff doesn't play out. So we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep fighting for it. I think it would have been tough for us anyway, because our tire wear wasn't the best on a long run, but... You know, we were kind of driving around holding off Graham there and knew I knew where he liked to run. I could I could run that line and, and take the air from him. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's you know, it's something we'll definitely never forget. And I know Trevor, you know, Trevor, Trevor, I'm sure Trevor was, uh, you know, was less than enthused about it. But, you know, we win and lose as a team for sure. One thing that I enjoy as well coming out of this, Connor, is the fact that I believe every IndyCar team now, having seen you crack open the season with a sixth at Texas, pole and an eighth round one here at Iowa, and then top three pace uh, in the round two, I like the fact that at every oval, at least, IndyCar teams should be paying attention and have Carlin on their radar as someone they're going to have to deal with. And again, just in terms of evolution of a young team, that's another important step. So that, that's a pretty cool byproduct as For well. Sure. Let's go. And hopefully it helps them sell the Indy 500, right? You know, they hopefully they can get a good second car involved and they can start, you know, realistically, I don't know why any driver outside of the series looking in thinking, oh, you know, where do I go? What do I do? I don't know why on earth you wouldn't look at Carlin right now. I mean, even with road, what they've done to develop their car and what they've done mechanically is just so strong. And even Max has had solid qualifying results on the oval or on the road courses. So it's a great team, man. Cannot disagree there. A couple of fun questions for you here. One from Greg Mann, the other one from Sean Stern. 
Greg starts off with, great weekend, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. Is it strange to not only drive for two teams, but race against your boss, who this week was not your boss, but is still very much your boss? Uh, And Sean adds, do you get more nervous when passing Ed, or do you want to pass him more than the other drivers? So you want to talk about (laughs) two people that had very different weekends uh having to go over and console ed who i know came over and congratulated you first for your poll man he didn't have a super fun weekend in the number 20 air force chevy did he yeah it's tough man i mean i hate to see those guys struggle i think uh it's such a great operation i i i have really really enjoyed um, you know, getting to know Ed more this year. Uh, you know, we trained together every day during the whole quarantine and the lockdown. I mean, I just, I, I appreciate his family. You know, they, they, they were cooking food for me at times. You know, we had, it's just, it was just such a, he's got such a great racing family, such a, such a great group of people. That team is very much like a family. Um, a lot of smart people there. Um, and, you know, yes, right now, you know, my success so far this year has been with Carlin, but I, I, don't doubt for a second that, you know, we're going to have, you know, find success with the ECR group as well. Um, because what we were able to do qualifying right away at the Indy GP was such a great start for us. Um, you know, yeah, we, we weren't able to, you know, we missed the yellow a little bit and we faded to 12th or whatever at, at the, at the Indy GP, but it, it was such a great, um, you know, kickoff for those guys. So I, I think, you know, results for those guys are definitely coming. Um, but it, it, for me at Carlin, I don't have teammates. So I, I look at the ECR guys as my teammates still out there. Uh, and, and, and Renus races me really clean. I've been so impressed with how Renus has raced me, uh, you know, especially at road America when we were actually teammates. Um, you know, he, he has been really respectful and really smart. I've, we've raced really hard, but he, he's done a great job. So I, I, I can't, you know, as a rookie, you sometimes don't expect that some of the other rookies, you know, have not been as, uh, as cool, but right now, uh, you know, Renus has been awesome and Ed, Ed is just great to race with in general, but I think, I don't know. I, I just can't appreciate him enough. I, it's, it's such a weird year. I, I really just hope that I can be back with those guys again, uh, for another year, just to, just to keep building on this because right now it feels like everything's flying by and I've only done three races with those guys and really, when you look at it, a total of eight days in their race car or something like that, like less than 10 days in an ECR car uh, so far in 2020. So that's just, it's so little time. And, and I think we have a lot to work on and, and we will get there. Well, amen to that. Let's go to, where do we go here? Uh, you know, there's been some comments about this and I know that it seems like it's a very recent change for you tim peters says connor compared to a couple years ago how do you feel you've changed in mental preparation says in recent interviews you seem more relaxed with your body language a bit more serious in your verbal responses i know about that one tim but it was cute uh it says i see a more confident person these days and you know we hear paul tracy are talking about well oh, party boy and now he's gotten serious and it's not like that just happened during the off season uh if you could share with folks about this, I don't know if I want to say journey, man. I think it's just life and normal maturation for folks. Cause I know at least, uh, at your age, I think I was still acting a fool despite pretending to be a professional. You on the other hand are being an actual professional, but 
what's this process been like, man? It, it hasn't just been a flip you've switched uh, starting 2020. You know, I, I truly, I, I really don't understand some of the, you know, the things that have been said about me in the past because I really have not changed much at all. Um, you know, I, I, I have in 2016, you know, we had a great rookie year. I think, I think it was really strong. We had a great environment there. We were on the podium. We've had a lot of great races. Um, but it was a very small team and I had 10 teammates and we had very, you know, very low budget situation. I had Michael Cannon as my engineer, who was the best, one of the best people I've ever worked with, but he would literally tell me, you know, at times we had to retire the car at Iowa because we just, we were not fast enough. And, and he's like, look, this is all we've got to work with right now. This is, this is sort of what we're limited to. And, and, and I think, you know, Michael Cannon is, is one of the, you know, he's, he's always believed in me. He's always been, you know, someone who I go to because I think he truly believes, you know, that, that I can do it. And, and he would always say, my problem is, is confidence, just confidence in myself that, that I can do it. Cause he's like, you can do this. And, and so that was always, you know, really cool to hear. And, and the Foyt year definitely just destroyed about all the confidence that I had left. Uh, and, and, and it was tough because I, I thought I was going to be there for a while so we could build something, you know, in, in a two, three year period. Uh, and, and when I look back on it, you know, I made a lot of changes in my life there physically that year and, you know, lost some weight, went vegan for a while or whatever, tried everything. Cause I was very dedicated. I'm, I'm never not serious about this. This is my job. This is my dream to be a professional racing driver. Am I going to enjoy my life at the same time? Absolutely. Because why not? I, I mean, the only reason you didn't see all these other drivers like Tony Kanaan, Scott Dixon, Elio Castroneves, Thomas Schick, all those guys, those guys enjoyed their lives too and are still just as successful, but there was no internet back then. So you couldn't see what people were doing. There was, so, but the, the point, there's no social no, media, not but, really. yeah. there uh, was but, the the, internet, but you wouldn't have Instagram or the Twitter sphere or someone's Facebook comments to go off of. So, and that's the know, point I'm trying to make is, yeah. you know, it's while you certainly were enjoying your life off track, there's nothing different. How's this? You talked to some of the drivers that you mentioned about their youth in the sport and the life they led while they were single or otherwise, it's all off the record. No comment. Yeah. I'm not, you yeah. know, look, I've had, I've had every shot the clinic can offer. Uh, well, I got them to uh, <laughs> delete the arrest photo and, you know, but to the, your exact point, which I was hoping you'd, you'd raise, there wasn't Instagram, Twitter, whatever back then, to see it, have it documented you on the other hand, are someone who loves living his life and inviting people in. So maybe that creates the misperception that you're just raging party frat boy all the yeah. time. Uh, now, and here we and, go. And, and no, and I agree. And, and you know what, but I, I think I've, I, I like bringing people into the, my life. You know what I mean? I, I've built a great fan base and I will, will always be so appreciative, appreciative of the people that support me because it's just it, it's because I'm just a normal person. Like I'm just a guy out here in Indianapolis who you know who enjoys to go eat dinner with my friends and and maybe go to the bar afterwards. I don't know. Now I again I think now for sure I I I, I have turned up the uh, I would say the the professionalism level just just a hair um, because I am getting older and and 
I, I truly do believe that I'm, I'm the fittest now than I've ever been. Uh, certainly lightest I've ever been in IndyCar. Um, and, and, and this means more to me than ever because it's been taken away, right? After it got taken away in 27, after 2017, you know, those races I had where we just barely qualified for the Indy 500. Um, but then coming back with Harding and then qualifying almost in the fat in the fast 12 for Toronto, there's something about that. There's been small sparks of things that just have reignited my confidence. Um, and, and it, it really, everything changed after the Indy 500 last year. Uh, everything that I felt changed, you know, the Andretti Autosport opportunity there, that, that team working with my engineer, Andy, um, that, that was just that, that, that I think is where I really turned the page and said, I can do this. I can run at the front of the biggest race in the world. I can, I can fight against these guys who are my friends who I never really get to fight against over the last few years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think life has changed a little bit. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to put as much on social media, uh, as I probably have in the 2016, 2017 era, but I'm never, I'm definitely never going to not be myself. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, am I'm ready to be here for a long time. And I, and I hope that, you know, we've created a relationship now with the U S air force and ECR and Carlin to where I can do that for a while, but I, I still have a lot to do. You know, I have to win a race. I have to get up on that podium more. Um, and, but people still forget that this is my first full-time year back and I'm still driving for two teams and, you know, it's all still very new and I, I can't. I can't explain how difficult that is, uh, you know, initially, but we, I, I think, I think now we're in a good spot. Well, amen to that. Should also mention here, just on the topic of random fun, got a direct message from Bobby Ray Hall with a little image. Someone's created of the presidential ticket here of Christopher Walken and Gary Busey in 2020, uh, which says, <laughs> because if you're going to elect, uh, bleep bleep crazy let's at least make it highly entertaining and then also we can share here on twitter which i love the what's happening portion where they decide what they think i might want to click on i've noticed that hey there's a little bit of potential matrimonial news going on here uh with a, a certain actress who's uh been engaged so I just, you know, I love waking up and seeing what the, <laughs> the internet, yeah, what, what folks think that my day needs to be filled with. So, uh, Demi Lovato, I really hope that it works out between you and Max Eric. Uh, let's get back for to me. This. It's all video games. It's all my, all my news is about video games. <laughs> I absolutely bet that's what it is. Uh, let's see. Interesting question here from Tim Duckworth comes down to you've won your first poll. You've proven that you can do it. Has it added any pressure or taken away any pressure in doing your job or proving yourself? You know, it's an interesting question. I really don't think it does anything. For me, I, I always want to be on the pole. You always want to do something like that. It's, it's just, you know, I went into this year kind of with this funny hashtag of trophy hunting, right? And we're six races in and we got a trophy. So, you know, we're, we're ready to get some more. I want to be on the podium. You know, we want to keep keep going. Um, you know, we want to be in the top 10 consistently. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't added any pressure because that's, that's where you're supposed to want to be, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's where we as a team, we as ECR and Carlin, you know, we want to do. So we're just going to keep working on it. And, and I know that there are, well, 
Uh, let me just say I'm very excited for Gateway. That's, that's all I can tell because <laughs> my least favorite track if we're on pole, well, Gateway is my favorite track. So I I cannot wait to get there. Let's run four races there instead of just a doubleheader or a one-race thing. So um, so we'll see. But, you know, the, the exciting thing is, is that the Indy 500 is obviously like one race away. And, you know, ECR cars have been really good there. And I've had a great run on ovals so far this year. So I, I feel more confident than ever on ovals. And to be going into the Indy 500 with Ed Carpenter Racing, I mean, there's a lot there to be happy about. Amen to that. Let's go to uh, Victoria Morell. Hey, Connor, congrats on your poll last weekend. As a regular watcher of the hashtag LCQ League, I often wonder if you are just as vocal in the car as you are when you're iRacing, or is it just because of being on the Discord uh, with the other guys? Uh, also wonders how you would feel if Discord, uh, there was some sort of Discord-like communications available in IndyCar during the race for everyone to hear. Uh, well, at places like Iowa, you can't breathe enough to talk that much, so you have to worry about more breathing than, than talking at Iowa. Uh, and, and that's really more important. Honestly, it's just so different. I don't, I don't think if we had an open communication channel, we'd be talking that much. Uh, I only talk when necessary. Um, and we have so little time. You, you can't talk to the team. If you're green flag racing, you really can't talk to anyone. So it's, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's hard to find time to, uh, to do that. But you know, the, the iRacing stuff is, is meant to be an entertainment deal and and i love that people have tuned into that um we obviously haven't been able to do as much lately because we're all actually back to working even travis pastrana he's you know he's he's working himself he's back to rally racing and he sent us a picture of his subaru that exploded and burned down which was a shame which yeah Uh, that's a topic you know a little bit about yeah i definitely know how that goes um but uh but it's a great group chat on our text messages that probably will never stop and we will never forget and the fact that i'm in a group chat with chad reed ricky carmichael travis pastrana uh and all of our nascar pals with with parker klingerman landing castle hinch and alex (laughs) i mean i would have never ever assumed that that would be a a group chat if you would have asked me about a year ago or even two years ago or when i was a child be like no way um but it's an electric text group chat and uh pretty hilarious to be a part of that, uh, yeah, that might be something to subscribe to one day. Uh, let's see. Let's kind of let's stay on this general theme of sim racing. Our pal Peter Nutt from Holland asks, what's the latest innovation you might see coming out of the Connor Daly Entertainment Center? What, what kind of things might we see? Uh, I know that you continue to upgrade your, uh, your sim racing I don't know if we should call it a room. Is it a bunker? I'm not sure what it is there. Uh, he's also curious uh, if what you see, what you predict in the role going forward of esports and IndyCar, which at least as I've observed, sure seems like it has just completely fallen off the map since we went back to racing, which I'm a little bit bummed out about. You know, it's tough, man. I think, honestly, we've got so much going on. Um in the real racing world, it, it does take a lot of work. Like what we're doing, what, what, what the teams are doing, what us as drivers, what we have to focus on 
it's just that that's more important for us, honestly. I mean, I, I would love to be able to say that I can, you know, head up to this Connor Daly Technology Center every night and fire up the sim and, and, and do a broadcast, but I just can't. Like, I've just got other things to do now that the world is, is back in gear. Um, and, you know, I, I hope, and, and truly, IndyCar at the series, I just, we, there's just not enough people, staff to, you know, to dedicate time. We've got to try and figure out, first of all, how to get people to watch our races first. And that, that's, that's more important than, uh, you know, figuring out how to, how to develop an eSports series because we clearly have an issue with, with you know, people just getting our, our races out there to people and, and letting, us know, letting them know that, hey, we've got an incredible real product here that we are giving to you. And you got to watch it on TV because it's electric. Um, so, so yeah, there, there's a lot of work that we've got to do as a series still in real life, but hopefully in the off season, you know, we can have that conversation. I think this off season will be one of those conversations that we have, you know, we all sit down, usually the series has a meeting with all the drivers and, and, and Jay Fry and Mark Miles together, you know, that might be the time to have the conversation of, Hey, it doesn't cost us anything really to say each IndyCar team is going to have one or two drivers as part of an esports team and we'll try and set something up. Um, because I think that is important. That's important to keep the young fan base engaged. Um, and, and you never know, there could be a lot of technology partners. Obviously NTT data is big in the technology world. Um, you know, maybe they would, they would like to be involved with it as well. So there's, there's things to be thought about there, but right now we got to, you know, focus on putting on the best real races as we possibly can and, and keep that rolling. All right. We're going to get down to the last couple of items for you here. Uh, let's go with Mike Romanecki. He says, Connor, during the broadcast at Iowa, NBC showed a couple images of you and Joseph Newgarden from your youth days together. Says oh, yes. Joseph is crushing everybody lately. Can you bring him back down to earth and tell any stories about you trouncing him early on? I mean, I did see you guys in Indy Lights together. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of the last time you guys were... Before you got to IndyCar, you know, there were some moments where you were giving them the business. So uh, it happened before that as well. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's uh, people tend to forget for sure. But uh, no, I mean, Joseph, Joseph's definitely been a lifelong rival of mine. And when we started racing when we were 12, uh, you know, he, he would win a race. I would win a race. He would win a race. I would win a race. You know, it's the same in Skip Barber National Championship when we both got into cars. He's a year older than me, so he got to the National Series just a little bit before me. Um, but we both did our first full season in 2015, and, you know, uh, it was, you know, we would have finish photo finishes at the line of Road America. You know, I, I'd just edge him out, and, you know, he would win, I would win. There, there would be so many times, you know, where – it's just, it could be a great Netflix documentary someday. If I hopefully end up being successful in, uh, you know, in IndyCar and I can keep, you know, challenging him for wins and, and stuff and championships, uh, it could be a great Netflix documentary because we literally were, uh, you know, trading wins, trading championships. Uh, you know, we, we both went over to England. I want to race. He want to race. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's one of those things where, we're the two – Sean Kelly had a great stat. You know, we're the only two Americans to ever score poles in GP3 or F3, which is now F3. Um, and, you know, it, it, there's there's so many cool stories that I think obviously people forget because Joseph is so successful now, and, and I'm not yet. Um, but, 
it's it's I, I think he is truly one of the most genuine people that I still interact with. Um, he he's a great racer uh, and obviously supremely serious, supremely uh, talented. Um, but yeah, back in the day, it was incredible to race with him and it's incredible to see where we are now. Uh, I mean, sitting on the front row with Joseph at Iowa, I mean, it was just hilarious. And, and, and both taking our pole photos together, I think I just look at him like, this is just hilarious. You know, here we are 15 years later or however it is. And, and, uh, you know, we're both, we're both pole sitters at Iowa at this, at the same weekend. So, um, you know, it's. It's, it's something where in my life, honestly, he is the one out there that I want to beat the most for sure. Uh, over anyone else, uh, you know, one, one of the, one of the best people in the paddock, but, but without a doubt, he is, he is the guy that I want to beat the most because you know, you're beating the best. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. Indeed it is. All right. I'm going to scroll through the rest of the questions here. All right, this one from Chris Hoffman. I, mean, I maybe should have put this first. Very important. Connor, if you win a race this year, any chance you can bring back the bowl haircut? Uh, no. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a hard no on that one, Cotton. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, if I, if I win a race, it's – well, when we win a race, let's hope uh, – it's going to be an electric celebration. I think uh, something that has never been seen before. Who knows? Um, but we got to work to get there. And, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of other guys working to do the same. So it's, uh, it's, it's the dream to, to, get a, to get a win in the IndyCar series. I want to see a reverse mohawk. I want to see an ear-to-ear mohawk. That well, would be right now different. I'm actually, I, 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 in about three weeks, I'm going for a mullet hawk right now. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to try and have for the Indy 500 is a mullet mohawk. Uh, like thin down the sides, full attack from front to back in the center. Um, so it could be a hilarious program. The ladies that I have told that to have seemed slightly less enthused. Um, but you know what? I'm pretty pumped about the fact that we could have a full flow and mullet hawk here by Indy 500 time. I wouldn't, would not even propose to know the difference in uh, matrimonial mating. Uh, <laughs> pra- none of the, I can't, dating, mating, I couldn't tell you. The difference between where I have grown up here on the West Coast and my sensibility versus what would be the standard among men and women in Indiana. But I can tell you, you know, I had that same time in my 20s where it was like, I'm a sovereign person. I can do whatever I want. And every woman should appreciate that. And then as I got a little bit older, um, I was informed by most women that, nah. <laughs> Nah, that might not be the way to go, buddy. You can do it. Just, I hope you like throwing hot pockets in the microwave and uh, going to bed by yourself. So, um, but here's the thing, waking Marshall. up. Here's the thing, Marshall. I'm still at the at the stage in life where I just don't care. All right, well, I'm hey. have a great time. I'm gonna have a great time with life here for while I can, and and worry about the back end later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Let's see. Uh, here's a good one. Slightly serious. Uh, Jordan Darwin says, Connor, you mentioned post-race trying to learn from Scott Dixon during the Friday race to see how he did what he did. He says, how do you go about studying a race from another driver while you're in the race? 
Well, a lot of what Scott Dixon does is sort of mystical. He's kind of like a, a unicorn. Um, so it's very hard to understand how he could somehow be last or in the back and always end up on the podium. Um, you know, there's very smart guys calling his race, right? Mike Hall is clearly a legend. Everyone at Ganassi is a very smart person. Um, but, but, but realistically, I mean, there, there, is, there are some things that are just purely lucky. And, 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 and I can't explain, I think a lot of drivers will tell you that that is a huge part of it for sure. I mean, I, I'll never stand on it. You know, yeah, I have bad luck, but I will never lay that as like a, a reason. You know, we, we, we qualify on pole. That's our job, but we were not, we didn't have the pace, you know, to, to, you know, to stay there on the long run. So was it unlucky that we fell to eighth? No, it's just, that's, you know, we, that's, we, we just, we faded a little bit. Uh, you know, there, there are a few things that, 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 you know, lead to that. Yes, there was an ill-timed yellow that kind of put us a little bit further back, but, uh, you know, but these things happen. So a lot of the time when you look at other drivers races, you kind of just see, all right, you know, were they like one thing that I really noticed about Joseph initially of race one was, uh, you know, he tried to pass me for one, two laps and then backed off big. Uh, whereas I kept pushing for two or three laps and I overheated that first set of tires like crazy. And we were tire pressure skyrocketing through the sky. Um, and, and I think, you know, he knew that, all right, these tires aren't going to last as long. So let's, let's lay off them a little bit. And, you know, I definitely tried to think about that for race two and we definitely had a much better control over that. But, uh, but it's, it's just interesting to see how people do things how people call their races, you know, cause obviously Simon came from the back twice, two days in a row. That's so rare to do. Um, and again, he had to have some help doing that as well. And, and sometimes, you know, I hope that one day I will get that type of help. Um, but you got to realize, okay, where were these guys fast? How did they do it? Uh, and, and hope to be able to use that information to implement in your strategy or your, the way I drive, you know, next time. Okay, we've got a question here about the rise of Carlin. I'd also like to get, well, granted, you have the historical ability to compare Carlin's year-to-year uh, -year performance. We'd also like to hear a little bit about what's going on at ECR. This comes from Robbie Berggren. says, what, in your opinion, Connor, has increased Carlin's competitiveness since last year? Is it strictly a damper thing? Is it your input? Uh, different development directions and whatnot. So curious about what has led to Carlin's uptick in performance and also maybe share a little bit about what ECR is doing to try and get up front and win. Well, it's, it's actually kind of a shame that I don't have a teammate at Carlin because I'd love to see what, you know, another driver thinks about the oval, you know, car now. But I know, I know for a fact that I, I pretty much laid out to those guys last year. I was like, all right, look, this is sort of where we were struggling at Texas, you know, entry security, you know, being able to lay into the right rear tire um, at an oval for me is super important. I'm really aggressive with the steering wheel. So I like to use the steering. Um, and, and they gave me that this year, they gave me, uh, you know, a car that, that, that has that rear stability that I like on turn in. Um, and if it, and if, you know, for me, I think what I've told them, you know, in the past is if I don't have the car that I, that I really like, or if at least it's in, in the window of, you know, that really suits my driving style. I think I struggle than, than more than others. Uh, you know, I think there are a couple other drivers that might be able to drive an ill handling car, maybe a little bit better than me. Um, but, but when I do have the car that I, that I like, um, and we do get into that window of, of what I feel 
really suits my driving style. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's potent, I think. And I, and I do believe we were able to show that, you know, obviously in qualifying and, and, uh, parts of the race as well. But, uh, but, I, but yes, they, you know, they, they did make a step, you know, ahead with their dampers. Uh, you know, that was a big part of the program. Obviously that for most IndyCar teams, that's where, you know, the open development is because you have, uh, really free range to do whatever you want with with the dampers and that's kind of the open development part of the series which is which is really interesting um and you know i think ecr has obviously had a couple drivers over the last couple years that that might not drive like me you know what i mean that they they might have a different style that require a different thing from the car and right now you know as as we've figured out it's like look i might i might need something different to be honest and and i think we're just working on on getting there we're working on figuring out all right you know i'm i'm new to the to my engineer pete there and he's new to me and at at, at one point we will figure out you know what i uh you know what i need out of the car and and how we get there mechanically um but right now carlin since i was with them last year you know, they had the ability to give me exactly what I needed. And, and, and that's just, that's something I've never been able to experience before is coming back to a team with notes from last year, with what I needed from last year. And the fact that they were able to give that to me is just, is, is incredible. Um, and, and I think that's why you see, you know, when, when guys settle into a team for 10 years or you have Scott, the Scott Dixons of the world and the, the Penske guys or Simon, who's had the same engineer for, you know, 15,000 years, it's, 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 it's for a reason, you know what I mean? They, they know what they need. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool deal to be able to experience that with Carlin right now. Other thing just to mention, which might be a curiosity for some granted, you're doing ovals with one team road and street courses with the other. Even so it's not as if the Carlin team says, Hey Connor, Here's our full setup sheet. Here's our full everything. Uh, it's not as if, granted, I'm sure you could gain access to these things, but in terms of there being a separation of church and state between ECR and Carlin, <clears throat> it's not like you're setting pole in your 59 Carlin Chevy, seeing one of your ECR teammates struggle and running over and saying, oh, hey, uh, left front camber needs to be this, you know what I mean? Like just share with folks about how it's not as if you don't know a lot of things, but, uh, you're probably not going to survive very long on the sport. If you're the guy running around telling everybody's business back and forth. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, you know, you, you have to be respectful of the information that you get and, and, and me as well, you know, I struggle with, you know, I'm not going to be able to read a setup sheet and be able to take a, mental photograph of that and be able to reproduce that as well. And and you can't necessarily do that either because of each team's differing dampers, right? Each team has a different damper philosophy and they build the dampers differently. So, you know, what your setup sheet that you take from wherever you came from, you know, might not work uh, where, wherever you go next, because it's just a different philosophy. Now it's good to have that information. And I, I certainly remember things that, that have helped me in the past, but it's very general, right? Like, you know, if I like to stiff a right front spring at, at, at Texas or wherever it is, uh, you know, at an oval, that, that's not going to work for every team. But, you know, it, it's, it's information to say to my engineer, hey, look, you know, this might have worked for me in the past. I'm not sure if it'll work for us now. But, hey, it's just an idea. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I definitely have to be uh, aware of, all right. If I, if I look and study a setup sheet at Carlin, I'm not going to take that over. Because, like, 
you can't, you just can't do that. You have to think I, I'm, I, I try to be as respectful as possible. And I think, or I hope most teams that I've driven for have, have realized that obviously Andretti, there was a lot of information there, right? A lot, a lot of information, six cars worth of, worth of information. Um, and they were very sensitive about that. I mean, they were very sensitive about the fact that, you know, I was going to go do the rest of the ovals with Carlin and, and I was excluded from certain meetings and I'm sure certain bits of information I couldn't see. Um, you know, and none, none of the teams over the last two years have let me have any of my onboard videos. That's for sure. So I don't, I don't have anything from there. Um, which, which again, like I understand, uh, I, I get it. I, I mean, I don't really understand the onboard thing. That's just more for me studying my own driving technique, but uh, but it's something that teams are definitely aware of and everyone wants to be successful and have the edge over everyone else. So it's hard to go from team to team. But right now I've got two teams that are very respectful and, and very, uh, you know, understanding of the situation that I'm in for sure. I think we need to close going back to a delightful topic that kept folks enraptured, especially during the Corolla virus lockdown, that being the LCQ league. So got a, Trio questions here we'll use to close. Uh, Going to kick off with Rise. 3711 from Reddit says, Great to see Connor battling up front. Fun question for him. If he could put, pick any driver in the world to join the LCQ League for a night that isn't already there, who would it be? And Cassie, both Cassie and Shauna Oak would have some follow-up questions. Well, we... We definitely sent the league invite to Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that would have been hilarious and awesome. Uh, I texted him about it, but I think uh, I, I never got a response. So I'm not sure. He said to send him a league invite, which we did. Uh, so he knows about it. You didn't um, even get a Hootis new phone from him? I mean, come on, Junior. Uh, That's no, not right. He has my number. He has my number, thankfully, which is very exciting. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think. Dale would have been awesome. Uh, I think getting someone like Lando Norris to do it would have been hilarious. He's obviously, uh, but the problem is, is he's too good. So that's why we don't invite people like that. So we were trying to think of people who are not good, like us, uh, on the sim racing world. We invited Scott Speed. He's way too good. Uh, I don't know who chose to invite him, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Using like an Atari game controller, I believe, as well. Oh, no, he's got a full sim at the house. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that I think uh, would be really cool. But really, realistically, it's it's basically trying to get guys from different areas of the sport. You know, get some NASCAR people, get some Formula One guys, get some, uh, you know, IndyCar guys, get some dirt racers, stuff like that. I mean, um, I'd love to get, like, Rico Abreu in to do it and, and Tony Stewart, you know what I mean? Guys like that. I think that would be, that would be pretty hilarious. Cassie asks... You might have already answered it, but who is the most famous person you've asked to be part of the hashtag LCQ League? Was that Junior, or do you go oh, even Dale. higher, like legends, a Mario Andretti or a Formula One world champ? Or, your old man. Have you asked your old no. man? No chance Derek Gailey is getting on an, on an internet <laughs> motorsport game. Um, but, we, yeah, Dale's probably the most famous um, Mario, we did go to Mario's house not too long ago after Texas and he was showing us his sim and he was like, Oh, if you guys are ready for me, let us know. And we're like, Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we need this. But uh yeah, I, I think Tony Kanan we've tried to get in every now and then, but he bails on us because he's got a, a a cycling event that he's gotta, you know, pedal for ten million hours doing. So um so yeah, I don't know. We we haven't really 
ask too many more people uh, just because we think they're going to be too good. <laughs> you know, I, I can't believe I haven't thought to throw this person into the to mix. You've got to do it. There, it's got to be the most discordy thing ever with the volume turned all the way up and screened no children whatsoever. Robin Miller. Oh, wow. That could be interesting. Yeah. I'm uh, not sure how that would go, but it's definitely not off the table. <laughs> LCQ League banned on every platform as a result yeah, of Miller's tirade. Let's, uh, let's close the show here with our pal Shauna Oakwood. She's always sending in great stuff. She asks, when they make the Connor Daly an LCQ movie... Who is cast as home? Let's cast that movie. Who's uh, who's playing who when we get that LCQ movie brought to the masses? Oh, man, I wish I would have had more time to think about this. Um, uh, well. Who plays you? Let's start with you. For me, I'm Matt Damon, for sure. Um, I think Travis Pastrana is Ryan Reynolds. Uh, yeah. I think that would be pretty hilarious. Um I think Hinch is uh, Hinch is potentially Vince Vaughn. That could be quite funny. Wow! Uh, or one of the guys from Letterkenny. Uh, that's a very hilarious television program. I was going to go uh, with James Corden. Okay, James. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually see more like a Landon Castle being James Corden. I don't know. Like really, Landon you're Castle casting a NASCAR driver to play an IndyCar driver, both not actors. Wow, I like that. Yep. Um, Rossi. Where does Ro- Rossi? That's a that's a ooh, that's a tough cast. That's a tough cast. I I it, it's it, Rossi is more cuz like you got to think of someone who's like pretty serious, uh tall. I'm also trying to think of like, you know, bodily figures as well. Um, I'm thinking Christian Bale. He seems like an American I, Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale or like Keanu Reeves. Like I think Keanu Reeves would be pretty. That that's Alex for sure. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I, it seems like that could be an interesting an interesting lineup. I you know maybe we cast both and just switch them out throughout the filming and just never explain it. Like that would be that would yeah. be a very good fit uh, there. I Bilko, think as well. Bilko Bilko's Johnny Knoxville for sure. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. Is yeah, Bilko. yeah. Uh, Chad Reed. I mean, he's pretty serious. Uh, I don't know. Chad Reed could be like a. I don't. I don't know. He's funny. Uh, I, I'd love to f- somehow get um, what's his name, the guy in all the hilarious movies uh, about. Uh, usually a lot of uh, marijuana in these films. Um, uh, Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen, yeah. I'd love to somehow get Seth Rogen involved. I don't know who he would be. Yeah, that it sounds like an interesting cast so far, even though just, you know, we can't figure it all out. Oh, it, it's going to be a complete failure, but it's going to be so great. I mean, we're going to give Driven a run for it. So I, I absolutely. absolutely love where this is going. Connor, thank you, my man, for making some time here. We had to reschedule a bit on my end, so I appreciate you being flexible with that. I really, truly hope, but also believe we're not going to be uh, doing this just once this year. We're going to be talking again soon after, whether it's another poll or a podium or something. Feels like some good stuff is ahead for you and both teams 
So looking forward to getting into the second half of the season here. But thanks for making some time, my brother. Thanks again to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA for supporting us. And thank you all for listening.